Well, good evening. We're going to talk about the tongue, but first, um, well, I want to obey God because we have to obey God first. It's paramount that we obey God. Amen? And while I was sitting there wrestling with the Lord, I finally decided I'm just going to, I almost got up and just did it while you guys were singing, and I said, no, I'm going to obey God now. And I want to talk to you because we're going to talk about the tongue. Mm. But sometimes we're afraid to change because we don't, we're afraid of what are people going to think. See, I came from a family that was very dysfunctional. Extremely, there was a lot of abuse growing up. There was things that shouldn't have ever happened to, to kids growing up. And I said on my mother's tombstone, what was going to say was, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and so for some of us, speaking things is very difficult because we have that fear that has been instilled in us from the time we were little to not say anything. Like, you know, well, you're gossiping if you say any, And, and the church world reinforces that by using that hammer of it's gossip if you say something. You know, you're gossiping. And there is gossip, okay? I'm not saying, like, there isn't gossip. But do you all understand what I mean? Sometimes you have to say something before deliverance can take place. Mm -hmm. You have to speak it and say, this is what happened. Because if you don't and you keep it underneath, then it stays there all the time. It's just resonant in there. And what happens when you keep these things underneath and you don't verbalize it? You keep it underneath, and then you have a secret, and then you have a wall around you, and then you don't want to tell anybody anything. So guess what? You don't have any friends. Mm -hmm. You don't have any close relationships. Because you're in this shell, you're so afraid if you say something that somebody's going to be really upset with you and things are going to go really wrong because you opened up your mouth. Mm -hmm. Is that anybody in that this room that could raise their hand and say, you're talking to me? Mm -hmm. Everybody, just close your eyes. Mm -hmm. Close your eyes. Bow your head. And if that's you, just raise your hand. Mm -hmm. We don't want... We're not looking to... We're not looking to hurt anybody. We're looking to get get you over that. Amen. Amen. Because that's how I grew up. Okay, lift up. Lift up again. Lift up. This is, all right, put your hands down. Everybody look up here. That's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. So for me to get behind this microphone is like a, a major miracle. And for me to say the outrageous things that I sometimes say is a major miracle. You know, it's got to be God if you come from that kind of background where you can't even say anything. So the first thing I wanted to do is I want to pray for those that have come from a background or similar that you can't say anything. Because if you do, you know in your little, your little mind that there's going to be trouble. And you don't want to have trouble. So a lot of times you just go along and get along. You don't say anything. You don't do anything, and you know even though that somebody's like saying things wrong or whatever, you can't confront it because of that childhood thing. And I'm going to ask you to just pray something or play something, something soft, and I'm going to pray. 
a prayer. And if that's you, just grab a hold of this. Because you can be free. You can be free. I'm telling you what, God is good. God is good. And He doesn't want you to live in fear of what you're saying is wrong all the time. God wants you to be free. And you know what? You're going to say things wrong. I still say things wrong. I don't always say things right. And I had an enforcer that would enforce when I started to minister. I had somebody enforce the fact that I shouldn't be behind the pulpit. They would call me over and they would say, that was good. But, you know, or that's not what you said, it's how you say it. You know, and it's a little jab. It's not what you said, it's how you say it. And it's like, well, I don't know how to talk any different. It's the way I am. But see, they didn't like what I was saying because I can I can preach pretty strong and I understand that. They didn't like what I was saying. So what they did was they tried to keep me down by their words, keep me in a little box so I wouldn't break out. But I'm here to tell you, God wants you to be delivered tonight of that fear. God wants you to be able to stand up and say what you think. You know, I have to be honest with my sisters. I kind of just let them do what they got to do because they're, they're strong personalities and I'm still walking it out, you know, with them. It's for me, it's just easier just to let them have their opinions. Now, they've toned it down since I've gotten married because now I have somebody to protect me. And they're good people. I'm not saying that they're they're ugly people, but they're just strong and opinionated. I guess that's what we all should have been if we hadn't have been abused we probably would have been even more opinionated than what we are. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, tonight is those that raised their hand and maybe those that were even too ashamed to raise their hand, this is your night for deliverance. This is your night for freedom. I feel like the Lord just telling you, just reach a hold of that and fear not. Fear not. Fear not. And, Father, we are thanking you. We are thanking you, Lord, that every every word that has been spoken, that have kept people in a box and kept them down, Lord, we thank you that you release them from that prison. Father God, every mind-binding spirit that would cause them to shrink back in fear, Lord, we speak in the name of Jesus and we say, Be gone in Jesus' name. Be gone. Be gone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, for you that raised your hands, you're going to have to walk it out, because I did too. But if you have that desire, God's going to help you. God's going to help you to overcome that. Amen? God's going to help you to get friends and, and relationships. And you don't have to hide anymore, have anything to be ashamed of. Amen? So anyways, that's what we I was wrestling with sitting there. And I love the worship. And I love the songs. And I want to talk to you tonight about the tongue, the test of our maturity. So now we had something sweet, and now we have something not so sweet. <laughs> the lesson is twofold. First of all, we have to watch our tongue, and then we have to watch who we listen to, because words are powerful. You ever sit there and, 
You know, I like I like to I'm interested in politics and boy, you can get really upset watching some of this stuff. I've had to like I turn it off. I can't do that anymore. Why? Because it's the words. It's the words. And then you start getting those words on the inside. So we have to watch our tongues. We have to watch who we listen to. Amen. It says in James 1:19 through 20, it said, Understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everybody be quick to hear, be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, that standard behavior which he requires from us. So James 1, 19 and 20 gives us the characteristics of a good, learn, of a good mature person. Good listener, slow to speak, slow to anger. So that's our goal. And how many people in here, you read, you know, you're with people all day long, you get people that just talk all the time. Does anybody know anybody? Maybe you're that person. I don't know. But, um, you know, they just talk all the time. They just talk. It's like if there's silence, it, it like is offensive to them so they have to talk you know little kids my son was a talker boy when he was quiet i'd look over and say eric are you okay and he'd say no mom i'm just being quiet and it was like such a rarity like wow he's he's quiet so but there's some people that have to talk all the time and we have to learn to be good listeners or we listen but we also have to be learning to be good conversationalists because there's sometimes when you're talking all the time you can be really hard to listen to because my ears for example because I I can only speak because all I have are these ears my ears after a while can't process stuff if you're talking and telling me every little tiny detail I have a friend of mine who just who can't start in the middle of the story. She has to start from the time that her feet hit the floor, and then she has to say, you know, how long she was in the bathroom, when she got up, what she had for breakfast, and it's like, you know, can you get to the, can we get to the point, and she has to say every detail. It's the way her mind works. There's not anything that can be done about it. Because we've tried. We've tried. And so, like, when I see that she's called, first of all, I know it's an emergency because I don't talk to her that much. I don't have that much time. You know, it used to be like she would call and it would be like an hour and a half. And it would be a long hour and a half to get to a point that would be like people would get to it in five minutes, but we had to go from the time her feet hit the floor. And I'm not mocking her. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, good, good. But being a good listener involves listening and asking questions and getting involved, not trying to say, okay, how can I tell somebody of what happened to me similar to that? Sometimes people don't care if it happens similar to you. They're trying to tell you what happened to them. It's not about, you know, well, I could tell you a story about what happened to me that was similar. Well, no, this is not about you. I'm trying to tell you something that happened to me. 
I don't want to hear your story right now. I know you're trying to empathize with me, and that's okay. But right now, I just want to finish my story and tell you about it. So try to be an active, good listener. Ask questions. Make eye contact. If they're getting a little detail, you know, I would tell this woman after a while, just give me the facts. Give me the quick, give me the quick version here. You know, and then other times I would listen because I know that the way that she processed things was different than mine. But I couldn't do it all the time. So sometimes, but we got to the relationship where she knew that I cared about her enough. I wasn't trying to hurt her feelings by saying, just give me the quick one here. Okay, so we want to be a good listener. We want to be slow to speak. If somebody comes with a ah, problem, eh, okay, let's just process it. And sometimes we don't say anything right away. Because our first reaction might be exactly the wrong thing. You know, you hear something and you go, whoa, that's not right. You know, and then all of a sudden you're now what was a molehill is now a mountain because you put your two cents in. And now you're asking all, oh, yeah, all these questions. and, And now it's a bigger now it's a problem where before it was just a statement. Sometimes we just don't give an answer right away. And I've learned that from him. And slow to anger. That's always good. Be slow to anger. Why? Well, because if you're, if you're quick-tempered, number one, you're going to off-put people. They're not going to want to come, with, come to you with problems. If you're going to get quick-tempered and you're going to be, oh, well, everything's wrong, and uh, nobody's going to want to come to you with a problem, even if it's a problem that you need to deal with. People don't like anger. Anger is used to control other people. So we have to be slow to anger, even if we're angry. My husband, he literally has to tell me when he's angry. I mean, that's how, I mean, he's really impressive. He really is impressive. He has to say, and he's done this, we had this one situation, and um, I knew he was angry because I was upset at it. And um, I just looked at him, and he goes, I'm really angry, Pat. And I said, I know. I know you're really angry. But, I mean, that's how angry he gets is, I'm really angry. (laughs) And he has to tell me because he just, he's pretty good. I've seen him lose his temper a couple of times, and it's usually over something. We had a a light at the townhouse that wouldn't, it was um, supposed to be fixed. And it was like hanging by the wires on the outside. And that's never a safe thing, anything hanging, uh, you know, hanging wires. It's not safe. And so that was probably the only time I ever heard him just say, oh, shoot. And that's what he said was shoot. And he couldn't get it back on there, and he was really mad. And I said, wow, you're really angry today. So you want to be somebody, you know, be like Clarence, who's slow to anger. In James 1.26, it says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, scrupulously observant of the rituals of his faith, and does not control his tongue, but deludes his own heart. This person's religion is worthless. And I don't care how many times you go to church. If you don't take care of your tongue, God says it right here. Your religion is worthless. That's what it is. You know, well, hopefully you're learning something tonight. 
For in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle his whole body. James 3.2 This is probably the most important faith principle to remember. What comes out of our mouth determines victory or defeat. What comes out of our mouth. Because you can change your attitude by what you say. You know, you can get upset over trivial things and work yourself into a big froth over nothing. Some people live in that zone all the time. That they have to work themselves up over nothing. It's like they can't risk just having a nice day. They can't risk just having peace. They've got to get worked up over stuff. You know, and I can tell you from being pastors, you can't afford to get worked up over everything. I'd be popping blood pressure pills. You get worked up over everything. You know, you can't do that. It's not worth that. God's in control, amen? How about your life? Is God in control of your life? If he's in control of your life, there's nothing to get worked up over. Amen? Stay in peace. If you go out driving and people are, they're beeping their horn, they're doing this, they're, you know, and I always say to Clarence, well, their their blood pressure must be really good. <laughs> you know, don't don't do that. It shows up in your body when your attitude starts getting, and it it's so small. It's such a small way to change your attitude about something. If you're starting to have a bad attitude, start praying in tongues. Start singing a little chorus. To start saying, Lord, I just praise you. I just know, Lord, that this is a temporary setback, and I'm going to get through it. See, you, your words have power over whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day. I want to have a good day. I don't have many days left, do you? And I don't mean like I'm going to die this week, although I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. But I'm pretty sure that I'm going to, I've got my, I've, my time is kind of limited at this point. I've lived most of my life. So I've decided I'm going to have a good day. And so I'm going to change my attitude when it looks like I'm not going to have a good day. I've got to change my attitude. And it starts with what I'm saying in my mouth. Amen? I mean, haven't you ever changed your mind about your day by just saying, I'm going to have a good day? I'm going to have it. And you're gritting your teeth until you get there, until that smile shows up. Yes, I'm going to have a good day. Yes, I am. And then, all of a sudden, before you know it, you're having a good day. But it all starts with your mouth. You know, it's a joy to converse with people who really listen. It's a joy to with to be with people that have a good day, that don't let little things upset their apple cart. That's a joy to be around people like that. Proverbs 16:23. It says, "The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips." Isn't that good? Proverbs 21:23 He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from troubles. Proverbs 13:3 He who guards his mouth keeps his life, but he who opens wide his lips will come to ruin. What is in your heart will always come out of your mouth. You try to hide it. You just try to hide that stuff that's underneath. It'll come out. 
You may be careful, have careful speech around some people, but it'll come out under pressure. Or it'll come out when your guard is down. Or it'll just come out. It has to come out somehow if you don't release it and repent and ask God to forgive you or help you to get through things. It's going to come out. Last week, remember, we talked about trees. You're all good trees still, right? Do I have good trees in the room? We're all good trees. Amen. Well, he talks about trees somewhere else in Matthew. That was Matthew 7. Matthew 12, let's see what he says here. Either make, let's see, 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So see, I wasn't kidding you when I said if it's in your heart, it's going to come out sometime, somewhere. It's going to come out. And it may not come out in a, in a place where you would like it to come out, especially if you get under pressure. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can train your mouth by changing your heart. See, that's why it's an attitude. You train your heart, though, not your mouth. You've got to train your heart. Why? Because that's where it's all coming from. It's not coming from here. This is just the organ that it comes out of. It doesn't do, it only does what you tell it to do. Your attitude will come off all over your face, too. You have one of your faces like me. If I'm upset, my face shows it. I can't not make my face like his face. Okay, whether he's upset or not, he's got the same face. My face, Shows it. If I'm upset, you don't have to look too far to know I'm upset. God holds you accountable for your words and for your lack of words when you allow somebody to talk trash to you about somebody else. God holds you just as responsible. If somebody says something to you about somebody else and you don't stop it, then God holds you responsible too. He holds the hearer just as responsible as the speaker. Because it's up to the speaker. And this is why we prayed in the beginning. It's up to the speaker to say, I don't want to talk like that. And if you just got delivered today, be prepared because you're going to have some fireworks when you say, after you've just let them talk trash all their lives to you, and now you say, listen, this isn't doing me any good. It's certainly not doing you any good. And I can't listen to this. But if you don't do that, God holds you responsible after tonight if you sit in this room and you've heard the teaching and now you know. So now you've got to come to the Lord and say, okay, God, I'm scared to confront that person and tell them to stop talking like that, but I need your help to do it. And I'm going to get victory in it. Amen? Amen. So don't allow someone else to gossip, backbite, tear someone else down to you. 
but going back with the, the caveat that you, if something happens to you, find the right person to tell. It's not the whole church or your whole office or whole. There's right people to tell. And then there's wrong people to tell. Does everybody understand what I mean? You still have to tell somebody, and it's not gossip. If something bad happened and you need to tell somebody, that's not gossip. It's only gossip if you tell everybody. Okay? So that's how you can discern whether am I gossiping or am I doing the right thing by telling somebody. I had my son threaten my life when he was 18. He threatened to kill me. And he told he had told he had run into the grocery store to somebody that went to our church and he goes, "Well, I'm going to kill my mother." All right, well, she was afraid to tell me because she didn't want to upset the apple cart. And I said, don't you think that's important? <laughs> you know, do you, don't you think that's a little bit important to tell somebody? Somebody else has made a threat on you. And I didn't quite, to be honest with you, I didn't know what his mental state was at that point. So I took out a restraining order. You know, and we were in court, and he goes, well, what would you do that for? And I said, well, you threatened to kill me. Words are important. You know, if you didn't mean that you were going to threaten to kill me, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't mess around. I'm not anybody's victim. Okay? So if you threaten to kill me, I'm going to do something about it. I'm not just going to sit there and go, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm, and, and, no, I'm going to take action. I'm going to do what I have to do because I'm not a victim. But that was something that somebody was afraid to tell me. They were afraid to upset everything. Well, I was kind of upset when I heard it. I have to admit <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't things you want to hear, especially coming from your own boy. But... You know, that's where we have to make that determination. Should we tell something? Is it gossip? Something like that? No, it's not gossip. And you need to tell it right away, if not sooner. So there's been, and there's been so many things where, you know, the hammer has been laid down in the church world. You know, that's don't gossip, don't gossip. Gossip is bad. Yes, gossip is bad, but find that person that you trust that you know is going to take care of that problem. And that's not gossip. Amen? In James 3, 9 through 14, it says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be. Does a fountain sent forth, send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Neither a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of the good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie against the truth. James 3, 9 through 14. Okay, because I'm in children's church, I brought an illustration. Okay, out of your mouth comes what's out of your what? Heart. 
Now see, you could probably drink this water on the top. And just like what I was saying before, you can maybe modify your speech for a little while from the top. Correct? We can just put the straw up a little higher. And you wouldn't, I mean, it's not great on the top. Okay? Because there's still a little bit of sand. But it's not like taking it from the bottom. But out of the abundance of your heart, we've got anger, hostility, selfishness. So what's coming out of your mouth, Christian? Even at the top, there's little flakes of stuff. Have you ever been around somebody that says the right thing, but it doesn't sound right? Like in the Garden of Eden, the snake said, the snake of all things. He said, did God say? Let me see. What exactly did he say? Has God said that you shall not eat of the tree of the gar- of every tree in the garden? Didn't God say that? Did you ever have somebody like say something about somebody else and they do it so backhandedly? You know, like, yeah, they're a nice person, but um, you know what they do? You know, they it's not much. They just um you know, they just can't hold a job for very long. You know, they just get bored and then they just kind of jump around a little bit. Top. And they say these little maligning digs to you like they're trying to give you information to help you. And we get this with pastors. Of course, none of you do this, okay? So don't don't start looking at your neighbor and go, a two? Is it you? No, 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 no. But even traveling in ministry, you get these little tiny digs from certain people. And then you say, warning, warning, avoid that person. Avoid that person because underneath is a swirling mess of things. If they can grab you with a little bit, And they can get your trust, especially if you're in leadership, if you're a minister, if you're anything with a position, if you're the boss, if you're anything. If they can get you with a little tiny something, there's going to be more to come. And it's not going to be subtle either. You know, it's subtle in the beginning, but they're setting you up for all this stuff underneath. Why? Because sweet and bitter waters can't come out of the same mouth. I don't care if they call themselves Christian. It can't come out. What's going to come out on the top is these little flecks, these little tiny digs at first. And if you don't make a stand, and if if you start getting sucked into that, by saying, yeah, geez, I noticed. They, they, don't, they can't keep a job. They can't do this. They, yeah, I noticed that. And then it's the next thing. Well, Pat said that they can't keep a job. Did you know what Pat said about them? Pat said that they can't keep a job. Can you imagine the pastor's wife saying such a thing? Oh, my God, no wonder why the church isn't growing. She just talks all the time about different people. 
Be careful who you listen to. Put a stop to this stuff. Because what's going to happen, this is you, and that's clear water. I could drink this. It's tap water. I don't like tap water. I probably wouldn't drink it. But it's clear. Okay? It doesn't have anything in it, right? But if you continue to listen to this, look what happens. You defile yourself by listening to the wrong people. And if you don't take a stand against it, this is going to be you before you know it. Because you listen to this stuff. Little tiny digs. Little subtle things. You can't even believe it. Has not God said you could eat from every tree of the garden? Didn't God say that? Well, yeah, but except for that one over there. And then he came with what he really wanted to say. Was you shall surely not die. Directly opposite of what God had said. But see, he was grooming her. And the devil uses the same strategy today. He'll groom you with a little bit of a lie to see what you're what you're going to do. Hath not God said? Hmm. You surely won't die. You surely will. You're surely going to. If you listen to that, this is going to get muddied. You can't bless God and curse man because everybody is made in the likeness of God. And you've got to ask God to have compassion. If you've got problem with gossip, you've got to ask God to help you to get out of it. I had to ask God. This was one of my mother's problems with gossip. And I had to learn early on how to use my mouth right. It's very difficult to do on your own, but it's very easy with the anointing. All you have to do is recognize it. Amen? If God has his way in our hearts and lives, we won't be hypocrites. We won't have that tendency to give these little digs about somebody else. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people do that. You know, a lot of it's insecurity, um, you know, jealousy, fear, selfishness. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people act like that. But if you give into it and you listen to it, then you're just as guilty, and God's going to hold you accountable for that. So you have to be careful. You know, it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Proverbs 4, 20 through 24. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Why? Because that's where the mouth speaks. That's how you locate. Think about what you're saying during the course of the day. Think about it. This week, think even harder about it. What am I saying? To other people. Ask the Lord to help you to listen to yourself while you're speaking. Sometimes I just say that to myself. Pat, are you listening to yourself? You know, stop. Just stop. And I'll stop mid-conversation. 
You know, just go and say, Lord, help me to hear what I'm saying to myself, what I'm saying to other people. What is my voice tone? You know, how am I reacting to other people? Am I really an active listener or am I just tuned out? And just People can tell when you're listening and when you're not. I'll give you a clue on that, right? You can tell when they're not listening. You know, they're starting to count all the dots on the painted ceiling and starting to do things. And you can tell when people are listening and when they're not, especially if it's a one-on-one conversation. You know, big yawn right in the middle of your sentence. It's like, oh, oh, dear. God tells us his words are most important. He commands us to guard our hearts. That's where it starts with is our heart and our attitude. Why? Because the hearts are the seat of the affections. We can tell what we love the most by the words that come out of our mouth. What do you you love the most? Well, your assignment this week is to listen to listen to hear yourself talk. What are you saying? It says in Matthew 15, These, This people draws near to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See that heart-mouth connection again. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Matthew 15, 8 through 11. That's not a license to eat whatever you want, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounded good when I read it. Oh. that Not that which goes into a mouth defiles me, but that which comes out of my mouth. And the disciples, I don't know, sometimes Jesus must just be going like this because they just didn't get it, even though they followed him for three years. The disciples came to him after he said this, And they told him that he had offended the Pharisees by his speech. And Jesus wouldn't budge, but he explained the parable to him, to them, in verse 18 through 20. He said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. So he said the natural stuff doesn't defile a man. It's the stuff that comes out of your heart that defiles you. Proverbs 22-24, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get ensnared by by your soul. You'll learn the ways of an angry, bitter person. Now, anger is a whole different subject. Anger covers bitterness, resentment, all these things. But an angry man, don't have association with them. Jimmy Swaggart said this, association breeds similarity. You associate with an angry man, guess what? You're going to be an angry man or woman. An angry person means to get what they want at any cost. They do not follow the will of God, and believers should not have close fellowship with such people. Of 
could associate our association with people who have wrong motives and known problems that will affect your spirit. Remember, that is going to affect this. It's already affected. I can't get those flecks out now. What it takes is repentance, and I wanted to get a third glass, but I couldn't carry them all over (laughs) from the house. But a third glass with just water in it, because repentance can get this clean. Repentance can even get this clean. But unfortunately, people who have these kinds of problems are usually self-righteous and don't think they have problems. They think it's everybody else's problem. Do you ever run into people where, you know, it's everybody's, everybody's got a problem with them? Everybody's got a problem with them. You know, it's the whole town has got a problem with them. The whole state of Texas has got a problem with them. All right, well, why is that? It's maybe not the whole state of Texas that's got the problem. But see, people like that aren't going to really, they need total deliverance from that. And if you hook up with that, you're going to need total deliverance at some point because you're going to take on that spirit. An angry person, anger doesn't just sit there. Anger explodes. For in many things we offend all. If a man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn around their whole body. I know this for a fact. I went horseback riding this summer, and Sherry went too. And she was a little nervous, but I said, no, it'll be fun. But she she fell off a horse when she was like 14. And I said, no, it'll be fun. They give you docile horses. I said, they're not going to give you somebody who has never been ridden before. They'll give you some, it'll be all right, Sherry. So I convinced her. And so we got to the place, and she got this real docile-looking, his name was Old Paint. Even his name was, like, docile, right? Old Paint. So what they did was they'd give you a horse, and then you had to wait, and they would help you to get on the horse. So she's standing there with Old Paint, and I I think maybe Candace was there, and then I was there. So Old Paint's like this, and I said, this is perfect. Because old paint's not, I don't know if old paint's going to make the ride or not, okay? Because he looks like he's taking a power nap. And then Candace, and I get Benny Kay. Now, I got one of the bigger horses because I was probably one of the bigger people in the group. And uh, so Benny Kay's like throwing his head. And then at one point he looks at me and he goes, and I'm thinking, oh. So I wanted to go like this to Benny Kay. And I thought, no, don't, don't do that. You're going to be dependent on Benny Kay for like an hour. I think it was an hour and a half we had this ride. And I said, no, I don't want to provoke this horse. Right? I want to be friends with Benny Kay, even though he just showed me his teeth. And I thought, well, okay. So I get on. I get on Benny Kay. And we get in line. I've got um, Greenlee's in front of me. We've got the trailmaster, then Greenlee, then me. And before we get into line, my Benny Kay decides he wants to start walking. And I'm going, um, excuse me, <laughs> the horse is walking. And you just pull him back. 
You just pull the, you don't pull him back like, you know, he's going to rear up on his back legs or not. And keep in mind, I haven't ridden a horse since I was a teenager either, and I'm 61, so it's been a while. So I pull him back a little, and he stops. So we're fine. We get into line, and we're plodding along and admiring the trail. And they had told us, before you go, don't let the horse graze. And I watch Sassy out here, and I'm Sassy's friend, and I'll go out and I'll give Sassy carrots. But when we're done, I'll say, bye, Sassy, and she immediately goes back to grazing. And they love to eat grass. They just, that's what they do. They love it. So if your horse starts to graze, three quick, um, because that bit will pull them back. So we stopped. Occasionally we would stop, and Greenlee's horse started to it bent over and it started to graze, and she's looking at me, and I'm going, <laughs> pull him up. Because <laughs> what would happen is the horse would just keep grazing, and then it would be lost for the trip because it's it's more interested in grazing than it was of taking us on the trail ride. But all you had to do to get it to line back up was pull it. Now, horses, and I had to look it up before we got here, an average horse can weigh anywhere between 850 and 2,200 pounds. You're not talking a small animal. You're not talking about a little, like a chihuahua. You're talking about a big animal. And the way we control it is with a bit and a bridle. Can you imagine controlling a large animal that could kill you if it wanted to? With just a bit and a bridle. And he says that's how we control our tongue. The tongue is a small member. Just like that horse is controlled with the bit and a bridle, we have to have our small member be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen? It says, Behold also the ships, which though they are so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about by a very small helm, whither is so the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue no man can tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. James 3, 2 and 8. The Holy Spirit has to put the bit and the bridle in our mouths and tame it for us. Because on our own, we're just going to say what we're going to say. The tongue can be tamed only by submission to the Holy Spirit. But the good news is, if you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Submit to God. Submit your mouth to God. You won't have a problem. Many relationships are damaged because of our thoughtless words. Our words are colored by our pride, our prejudice, and other people's opinions. And if we're not careful, we may spread lies by merely saying what we think. Well, I think. Sometimes what you think is so far away from the truth. That means Matthew 522 says to be careful of being angry with somebody without a cause. 
See, we always say I'm righteously angered. Sometimes we're just angry because somebody hurt our pride or our feelings or did something we didn't like and we're angry. There is anger without a cause. Matthew 5.22, you can read it. He said it. We can be angry without a cause. And what happens? I'll tell you what happens if you don't get it taken care of. It's going to sit there. And it sits there. And then it defiles your whole being. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. And if you don't get that taken care of, you're going to defile things. And you're going to start making messes. And you're going to start hurting people. Not that you really intended to start out that way. You know, some people, you ask them, are you angry about that? Oh, no, I'm not angry. Ah, you're angry. Because you, you know why I know? Because you just made a little dig. You had a little sarcasm there. See how we can tell when we check up on ourselves and we listen to ourselves this week, we're going to hear things maybe that we don't even hear ourselves saying if we're extra cautious with listening to what we're saying and listening to how we're relating to other people. All right, we already talked about that. Some people perpetuate negative situations by the words they speak. Do you know that you can talk yourself into a major illness? Just by talking about it. You know, I'm afraid that I... You can talk yourself into it. Some people create negative situations that don't even exist. How about this one with this person? I don't think the pastor likes you. Did you see the way he looked at you? Do you know how hard it is? You can catch anybody in a millisecond. Have you ever taken a picture of yourself? And you say, does that look like me? Well, for that millisecond, you did look like that because we have the proof in the picture. happens mostly when you get your driver's license. That millisecond, I don't care you can take 10 pictures of me at the driver's license plate, and it's going to be 10 milliseconds of things that I wished I didn't look like. Right? So sometimes people look at you for a millisecond. And maybe, you know, for whatever reason, maybe, you know, like they've got a hair in your eye or, you know, I mean, there's so many goofy things that go on. And then somebody who wants to stir things up said, did I don't think the pastor likes you. Do you see the way he looked at you? He looked it right at you when he was talking about that. He must be talking about you. And then all of a sudden there's a negative situation. You came into church happy. Now you're leaving upset with the pastor. Because somebody else wanted to stir things up. Because they're angry on the inside. So they want to stir it up a little bit. So they're going to get you to get angry and offended. And then you're going to say, well, I'm not going back to that church. Pastor is just, pastor doesn't like me. You should have seen the way he looked at me. Am I telling you the truth? You guys are so quiet. Am I telling you, does this go on in churches or does it, or does it only go on in the churches that I've seen? It goes on. It goes on. And that's exactly how things start. You know, and then if you're submissive, 
And you go, wow, yeah, I guess they really don't like me. It's, you know, or you can say, no, I don't think that was it at all. I think they just had a hair in their eye, or maybe they had spinach for lunch, and they're trying to get that spinach out without anybody seeing it, and you just happen to catch them at a wrong time. But see, that's how the devil works, is he tries to stir up these little things with words so it gets into your heart. If it gets into your heart, then guess what? It's going to come out of your mouth. So don't allow people like that to speak into your lives. Little, tiny, diggy things. Put a stop to it. And don't let them do that. Why would you defile your relationship with the Lord? Because that's what it does eventually. It defiles. The Bible says whatever comes out of your mouth determines the kind of person you are. So if you listen to garbage, you get garbage into you, eventually it's going to come out. And if you've changed, the devil has effectively changed your character by little tiny diggy things that somebody else said. And because you're you're victimized, because you're afraid to stand up and say, I don't want to listen to that, I don't believe you, you're afraid to say that, then you end up being defiled yourself. And then the devil's not happy, he'll get you to defile somebody else. If poison words come out, then the person is bad. That's what Jesus said. You can't get sweet water out of a poison fountain. Both of them can't come out. Sweet words determine that a person is good. And I don't mean sweet words that are coming from the top of a bad fountain either, because then you get flattery. Have you ever been flattered before? It's like, I want to take a shower, because I know it when it's there. You know? It's like you... Somebody is trying to get on your good side, which they do with pastors and ministers and leaders and people that own businesses. And they'll try to flatter you to make you feel good to see if they can get that opening with you. So they can use sweet words, but that isn't the determination. What's the determination? Your heart is your determination. That's the seed of affections. Sweet and bad cannot come out of the same mouth. It's not possible. So if you hear somebody doing tiny diggy things, be careful with them. I mean, not that, you know, and don't come out of there being afraid to talk after you get out of here tonight. Because, you know, I mean, we can go extreme here, you know, where I don't, you know, you, you say that. You know, ooh, that's a tiny diggy thing. I, I can't be your friend anymore. I, I can't even listen to you anymore because you, you know. But we all say things, okay? But if you stay, if you catch yourself, just say, "Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that." We have an advocate with the Father, and none of us is perfect. We've already ascertained that by the beginning part of it. That you know, if you're a perfect man, you can control your tongue all the time. Okay, so we're not that, but we're on our way because we want to be that. So that's our goal. But do you understand the difference between occasionally slipping and saying the wrong thing and somebody who's habitually saying things? I mean, you know people, you know people who can stir things up. Does anybody know anybody who can stir things up 
just by their presence coming into the room making tiny statements. That's different than an occasional slip up of the tongue. I'm talking about somebody who's got a heart full of that stuff. And that's wholly different than when you make a mistake and you shouldn't have said something. See, my family, you just didn't say anything. She, my mom thought that was safe. You're safer if you say nothing, right? Then nobody can get you on anything. If you say nothing, then, you know, nothing. But God doesn't work that way because he says if you know to do right and don't do it, then it's sin. We talked about that last week. So if you don't say anything and you know to say it, then God counts it as sin to you too. Am I making sense to anybody? Because you guys look quiet. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 18:21. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. Proverbs 6:2. By thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Matthew 12:37. Think about it. How do we get saved? By our mouth, speaking the word. How powerful are your words? They're very powerful. They're containers of everything. Well, except for my little granddaughter, we're all adults in here. And here are some of the ways we sin with our words. Lying, idle words, hastiness, flattery, gossip, tail-bearing, wrong confessions. Those are just a little tiny list. Once we recognize the problem with our tongue, we can fix it. But we must realize what we're doing and the way to fix your problem with your tongue is called repentance. There's no other way that we can take this junk out of your heart. Because if you don't repent, it's going to be there. I don't care if you come to church every hour and if you're here to open up the church. If you've got this in your heart... It's going to stay there. Even if you never associate with too many and you're really careful who you talk to, that's still on the top. You've still got defilement throughout the whole body because the heart down here is what's controlling your mouth. So repentance. Romans 6 says we are dead to sin because of our new relationship to Christ. Ephesians 4.29 admonishes us to never let any foul or unwholesome words come out of our mouths, but only speech which is pure and beneficial to others. Remember James 3.1-12, sweet waters and bitter waters cannot flow out of the same fountain. He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in, relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continual rivers of living water. John 7:38 Those rivers of living water are the sweet healing words of Christ. That's what we want to speak. That's what we want to do. We want to have healing words. And when we can't have healing words, then we need to close our mouths and not say anything to make somebody feel bad, to hurt them, to demean them, to make them feel smaller than what they feel like already. We can't have both his sweet words coming out of our mouth to him and then have bitter words to one another. 
It's impossible. The bitter words contaminate all the sweet words that we try to speak. Just a little mud will make clean water dirty. A mouth that speaks harsh and unkind words will make the clean words of no effect. Just remember that the next time you say something. But see, it's quick enough to get back. Just repent. You know, don't drag it around all day. If you say something wrong, just repent. Just humble yourself. You know, don't drag that around all the time. It's so quick. Anything that you do. Now we're just talking about our words tonight. Anything that you do, the remedy is so quick. It's called repentance. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. But it's so quick to get back on the right track if you want. But pride gets in the way. We don't want to we don't want to go and say, you know, well, I'm sorry I said the wrong thing. You know, because that's not who we are. It's imperative to heed this warning and clean our speech up with the grace that God has given us. We need to have healing words come out of our mouth. Words of doubt and fear contaminate our faith-filled words. Just ask God to help you fill your mouth with his words every day. It says in Psalms 19:14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. But the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, see your heart and your mouth work together. I want to leave you with one more scripture in Isaiah. The Lord God, it's Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakened me Morning by morning, he wakened mine ear to hear as the learned. Be that person who has a healing mouth. It doesn't take much to cut somebody down or to be prideful or to have all those nasty things that we talked about. Words of Jesus are gracious in Luke 4.22. Words of Jesus' spirit and life, they're eternal words. They're words that are going to edify you, edify others. We want our words to be edifying and uplifting. Amen? I don't want to hurt somebody just so I can have my own way or feel good about myself because I put somebody else down. Or, You know, we all need to grow up in these areas. Amen? So we're going to check our speech this week. Last week, I asked you to reinvent yourself. Anybody do anything different and exciting this week? Amen. Well, the reinvention process, it's just a process. It's not, any, it's not just a one-time event. You know, but do something different. Listen to yourself this week. And hear what you're saying to, to yourself. Hear what you're saying about yourself. Hear what you're saying to other people. And if you hear anything wrong, ask God because we're going to pray in a minute. Can you get back on the, the keyboard? You know, in our... Um, in the book of James, in our actual book book, 
that we have on this lesson. We have it's called a life application. It's a conversation checklist. I was going to hand them out to everybody, and I thought, no, nobody's interested in that. But um, I might read them, and you might mentally check off where you're strong or weak. Is that okay? So we're, we're pretty good. How do I honestly rate my conversation skills? One, being bad. Ten, being good. Five, being like average. Okay, number one. And you don't have to put like fingers up or anything. This is your own. This is inside of your your own thing. Um, talking too much. Monopolizing the conversation. One through ten. Um, not letting others speak. One through ten. Interrupting others. One through ten. Telling a story about a similar thing that happened to me when somebody's hurting. One through ten. Criticizing what other people think. Being guilty of not talking enough so others have to pull things out of me. We really didn't talk about that much, but that's a problem. And you can overcome that. You've got things that other people want to hear. You know, if you're not, if you're kind of quiet, like I am a quiet person if I'm like in a setting that I'm not sure of. I'm kind of quiet. But, um, you know, be that person that you can, that draws other people out if they're having trouble. Some people just don't know what to say about themselves, so they talk about things that maybe aren't important. Just be patient. Help them to get, get by with that. Um, judging others by what they look like when I meet them rather than by what they are saying. Exaggerating the truth, one through ten. Joining in when somebody is gossiping rather than walking away. Making gossip a prayer request. Well, we've probably all been guilty about that for one time or another. Flattering someone that I want to impress. Being negative with my words about myself, my situation, or others. Not being truthful with my words. Not wanting to hurt somebody so I say nothing when I should warn them. Always having to have the last word or always having to win an argument. You know, you've heard it saying so many times, we don't want to win the argument, we want to win the soul. Amen. God, help us where we're weak with our words. Help us to become more mature with our words and our tongue. Let's just bow our head for a second. I want to pray again. Lord, our our mouth, we see a connection. Maybe it's the first time we've actually seen the connection between our heart and our mouth. But Father, we know that by the prompting of the Holy Spirit that you're showing us areas where we need help in with our speech. And Lord, maybe it's because we've let other people influence us. But God, whatever it is, we're going to be quick to repent. We repent, Lord. We ask you to cover us with the blood of Jesus. Take every idle word that we've spoken, Lord, and put it under the blood. Father, help us to have hearts like you have. Help us, Father God, to be guided. Let our speech be guided by the Holy Spirit each day. Father, let us be easily entreated. And Father, for those of us who have trouble speaking up, Lord, I thank you 
that you would just be extra sensitive this week and, and help those to walk this out, Lord, so that they can speak up when they need to speak up. Lord, that for those that can't just keep quiet, for them to be more quiet, to be a better listener. But, Father, most of all, we just give you glory. We give you praise that we can learn and we can hear hard things, Lord. But you always make it, Father, palatable so that we can receive it in our spirit. And, Lord, that we can make change. Lord, help us to change. Help us to make change. Every one of us in this room can change somehow, some way. And, Lord, we're just thankful and we just give you praise, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in our lives. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we praise pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there's an old song we used to sing in children's church. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. <laughs> Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Amen. So, you know, there is a caution. And God's ministering to us. I heard this story of three preachers that went to this Bible conference and they all were sharing the same hotel room. And they decided they was going to have a confessional one night. And so two of them, they started off confessing. One of them said, well, I've got a little trouble. When I get anxious, I just got to have a little nip, a little drink. And the other one said, well, I, I tell you, I've got a little problem too. I, my eyes wander, you know, and... I just got a little problem. The third one got up and was walking out the door. And they said, well, what's your problem? He said, mine's gossip and I can't hardly wait to get out of here. <laughs> oh, praise God. <laughs> Let's stand our feet tonight. There's a course that this should be our prayer. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus, all I ask is to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory. All I ask is to be like Him. Could you just step up here and say, Lord, let that be my prayer tonight. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like Him all through life's journey from earth to glory all I ask is to be like Take someone's hand next to you and just say, Lord, bless them this week. Guide them this week. Direct them. Every step that they take, bless them, Lord. Just bless each other. Bless in the name of the Lord. 
because God's on our side. <clears throat> if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight that delivers and liberates, makes us free. You said you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And Father, we thank you that we're free. Turn to somebody and say, you look, you look wonderful. And you're not gossiping. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's remember Wednesday night, 6 o'clock. Amen. We're going to believe God to just be here in a great way. Amen. Bring somebody with you. 6.30. Doris, you got me started wrong again today. (laughs) Wednesday night at 6.30. (laughs) Praise God. God bless you. Amen. It's good to have you with us tonight. Amen. Hallelujah.